This is Perspectives, the show where an examination of our many differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condice Presley, and on the program today, we're talking about our mental health. The United States has more confirmed cases of COVID-19, the coronavirus, than any other nation on the globe. And quite honestly, it's messing with our heads. It's messing with our schedules. It's messing with our lives. And we have an expert, Dr. Gigi Bastian. She is a mental health professional with a number of different degrees and responsibilities. She comes to us from the Morehouse School of Medicine. I'll go through all of her credentials later on. But first, I want to welcome Dr. Gigi Bastian to Perspectives. Thank you so much for having me. It has been quite a few days now, hasn't it? Indeed. We are being tested on many fronts. What do you find are the most common concerns that families have as we stay sheltered in place trying to flatten the curve of the coronavirus? Sure. You know, I do um, appreciate the opportunity to talk about this because I I do think um, folks are navigating quite a mix of, of challenges, whether it's uh, you know, financial resources being limited in light of what's happening with, with work for folks. Um, obviously, there's a lot of worry, concern, anxiety in the air about about this. You know, we there are certain things that predictably put our minds at ease when we have a sense of what to expect, when we feel a significant sense of control, um, when we feel that we have power in, in a given situation. Those are the things that we associate with being in a good headspace generally. So when you start to feel as though those pillars are being shaken in some way, right, that there's a loss of control, that there are lots of unknowns and uncertainties around where things are going, you've got the perfect storm brewing for people to feel unsettled and, and anxious. So I think a lot of that is in the air. I've certainly been hearing a lot about it from my clients and, and folks who are engaging folks in the health spaces and, 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 and in every other sort of arena of life. Um, and so I think those are significant uh, challenges that we're facing on top of your, your basic sort of day-to-day adjusting to significant changes in a routine. We've got parents that are now finding themselves at home, perhaps with one, multiple kids there that they're having to adapt to taking on more of the responsibility for their schooling. And so we're being tested and, and stretched um, in a lot of ways. Uh, we're in uh, confined spaces, many of us with, with family, and we know that as much as we love family and our loved ones, there's a limit to, to what we can sort of deal with and being in confined spaces for a period of time. So I think it's so critical um, in situations like this to be clear about what it is we do have control over. There are a lot of things we cannot control about what's happening right now, but there are certain things that we do have a significant power and control over. So I think getting establishing that focus on you know what are the things that I do have power over I can ensure that I'm keeping those hands clean I can ensure that I'm abiding by the the recommendations for social distancing without socially disconnecting because we do need each other um unfortunately we have technology and other media to, to help us stay stay connected even though we're not physically in contact we do know that we can disinfect we can um, you know, make productive use of the time that we have if we're at home a bit more than we typically might otherwise be. So I think getting really clear about what those things are that we do have some control over starts to give us a bit 
of that grounding back that, that we may lose when there are a lot of things that are outside of our control. What are you telling patients and clients who are overwhelmed by this sense of worry and the anxiety because this is an unprecedented time and we really don't know where we are headed? No, that's absolutely, absolutely true. Um, so I have a similar conversation with them where we start at, you know, making those distinctions between what are the things that are outside of our control, what are the things that are, we start really basic with folks, like let's establish a routine under, under this new normal that we're all living in. Let's, you know, keep some sort of schedule around what time I wake up in the morning. Um, let's engage in some uh, active, healthy habits, right? So making sure we're getting some movement and getting exercise, which we know is a great release for tension and stress and anxiety. And to the extent that we're feeling just depressed and down about what's happening, we know that movement and exercise can also help to combat those kinds of mood challenges. So I talk to folks about getting movement, making sure you're eating healthy, and while you're confined at home, that you're not sort of stress eating and eating the wrong things that can take us in a negative direction in terms of our mood. Let's look at sleep and ensure that we're getting an adequate amount of rest. Um, we're being recommended to, to stay at home and to limit how much we're moving, but it doesn't ban us from stepping out, right? So uh, nature, green spaces, I think is one of these natural antidepressants and mood lifters that many of us take for granted. My, my mom used to say, get outside and rub a little sunshine on your face. It helps to get that exposure to the sunlight, go out for a brief walk, get some fresh air, um, you know, while maintaining the recommended distance from folks. But those um, kinds of act actions are really important. So I work with clients to flesh out that sort of a plan. What are the things that we can take a handle on? The other thing that I think is really important, and it's a point of tension for us when something like this is happening, and as I mentioned, the fact that there's so many unknowns and uncertainties is what's unsettling to folks. So there's the danger of overly exposing ourselves to news and um, inundating ourselves with all the things swimming around on social media in some effort to feel like we know more and we have a bit more certainty. And we do uh, want to, to be informed about what's happening, but there is such a thing as too much um, exposure to and consumption of, of news and media. So I do suggest folks limit uh, how much they're exposing themselves to. There, there absolutely is such a thing as too much. What I've personally been doing and recommending to my folks is you may have a check-in point sometime in the morning, earlier part of the day. I intentionally don't start my day with the TV and the news being the first thing that I turn on. Um, I, I prefer to start with some prayer or meditation, maybe get my yoga session in um, to start myself on a positive tone. But you get that check-in of what's going on earlier in the day and then at some point in the evening, but you allow yourself some window. So that's not something that you're doing right before you go to sleep, but you allow yourself a one to two hour window to sort of mentally cleanse yourself of that information. So you're not taking it into your sleep um, where a lot of folks are, are talking to me about unrest in their sleep because they're chewing and stewing on this stuff. Um, so you have to kind of take control and put some constraints, I think, around how much information we're taking in because too much of it can really spike the, the anxiety and the worries that a lot of folks folks are dealing with. Um, so really uh, trying to take advantage of positive uh, coping strategies, positive ways of managing stress, whether that's through meditation, through prayer, through yoga, listening to that playlist that puts your mind at ease, calling that girlfriend that you can count on to, to get you laughing, to get you thinking about other things. Um, and thinking beyond ourselves, I think a lot of times 
these situations are disempowering. So if there's some way that we can identify to be helpful to others, that starts to get at a, a sense of feeling in power again. So calling to check on those members of our community, of our churches, who may be elderly, who may be isolated, if that's not the case. We have a lot of parents who are overwhelmed with uh, what they're trying to do with schooling with their kids. So if you're, you have a strong suit in reading and, and math, um, you know, offer to, to help a friend by doing a lesson with, with their kid and giving them a bit of a breather. I think doing those things where we're sort of coming out of our head and seeing how we can be helpful to others also helps to give us a, an additional sense of power and control in the situation. So these are these are some of the things that, that I try to get folks to think about and to be really intentional about creating a plan around how they activate all of these strategies. Dr. Bastian, help our parents who are listening with some tips and some additional guidelines to finding that new routine in this new normal and balancing working from home and being responsible for your child's education? Yeah, that's that's an excellent question. I mean, it's a really significant um, ask of parents right now uh, in terms of managing what's going on while trying to maintain some sense of normalcy and good energy for, for the kids at home and, and trying to maintain an environment that's conducive to, to their continued uh, education and cognitive development, right? It, so first, I think parents have to acknowledge this is hard and to, to give themselves permission to, to acknowledge um, it's, it's not easy. Um, it's also important, I think, for parents to get to a state of, of calm and a sense of optimism about the situation themselves before talking to their kids about what's going on. Because our children do note the, the panic and the worry in the air. They do have questions about what's happening, just as we do as adults. And so I think when they feel that sort of angst and tension from us, they can sort of absorb that and take that on. So it's really important that parents convey a sense of calm, a sense that, you know, you're safe and taken care of, a sense that, um, you know, we're, we're in this together and we're going to get through this and this too shall pass. So I think conveying that sort of um, state of mind is really critical and, and then finding out how best to communicate this information to your, to your children, which looks different for each parent, right? Finding age-appropriate ways to talk to them about what's happening. I've seen a lot of great resources circulating online about folks who've made children's stories around explaining what, what this coronavirus is and what people can do. I've seen fun little videos circulating about folks um, um, teaching and doing tutorials with the children about how to keep the hands clean and those kinds of things. Um, but separate from that, in terms of keeping them moving forward, I do think it's important to establish some sense of routine, right? But that's one of the major things that can be lost as the kids are not in school where they have really structured days. Um, and so it does help to establish uh, something that, that mirrors that kind of structure as, as much as you can um, in being realistic, um, but also uh, allowing them room to, to sort of play and explore and to have outlets for the emotional side of this. So they may need a little bit more talking to, to, to help the, their minds to be at ease. They may need a little bit more creative engagement um, and without things being so serious all the time while you're going through uh, the academic material with them. So you want to somehow balance providing structure, routine, creating some degree of predictability in their day-to-day, 
um, but also give them a little bit of a breather, uh, build in some flexibility so that if it seems that they're overwhelmed, they're getting those breaks in, they're getting time outside um, and, and really uh, trying to con- come up with creative ways to engage them. And the, and the thing that I've been really encouraged by are the, it seems like growing body of, of resources I'm seeing online, whether it's on YouTube, around different um, subject matters that the kids are to and through. So avail yourself of those resources online. And I know a lot of the schools are also sharing materials. Um, quite a bit of my friends have tapped into parent circles where one is helping the other. One might cover more of the math, the other covers the, the reading related sort of subject matter. And so I think tapping into one another um, is also a, a helpful strategy. Um, but really doing our best to just first keep our our own minds at ease and uh, to come from a calm space, I think, uh, is, is an important first step. And in, in that, that trickles down to the kids when they can see and feel that from their parents. Dr. Bastian, on Thursday, the governor extended his order to keep the schools closed through at least April 24th. So we're in this for about another month until we have our next check-in. How do parents talk to, how do we talk to our kids as the isolation continues? It's it's important to be honest and, and frank uh, with, with children about what's going on, but to be measured in how much uh, we're sharing. And, and this is where leaning on the expertise that each parent has on their child becomes really critical. We know uh, the limits of what they're able to take in what they're able to, to make sense of. Um, and one person, seven-year-old, may be in a different place from another seven-year-old in terms of what, what they can digest and make sense of. Um, so I think tailoring the approach uh, for, for parents in terms of what you know about your child is really critical. But we also know that there, you know, there are available um, resources um, online that I think help a fair amount. SAMHSA, the um, uh, Substance Abuse and Mental Health uh, Services Administration um, online has a plethora of resources that are geared towards children. They have a disaster helpline as another sort of resource when when folks are, are just feeling overwhelmed uh, emotionally by the weight of all that we're navigating. And so I think those kinds of uh, resources become really critical uh, in, in this time and, and really staying the course in terms of setting those structures in place for our children trying to maintain some uh, some some way to contain their day and their time, um, but also a building in space to let them be kids and to, and to explore. I think it's drawing from uh, creativity from us in, in ways that we haven't had to do it in, in a long time. Um, so, you know, I encourage folks to, to stay connected with their networks, learn from each other. There are things that some parents are finding useful that could be a resource in your household that you haven't spoken to. And so it's important to to not isolate and feel like you have to go at it alone. There are a lot of parents across the country facing similar challenges. And so um, fortunately, through technology, social media, these kinds of things, we can step into groups, Facebook groups, things on Instagram, on Twitter, that allow us to access broader communities and to get ideas and, and resources about what what we may uh, try with with our children and with our learners. Um, But you're right, it is an extended period of time, and we're being stretched um, in in ways that are unprecedented for many of us. But I'm encouraged that so much of this is perspective and mindset when we're 
challenged in the ways that this pandemic is challenging us. We have we have a choice between despair or hope. Uh, one of those is empowering. The other one sets us up to feel defeated. And so I think to the extent that we can maintain hope in the situation and we can remind ourselves that we've been tested as a global community by many challenges before this one and that this one too shall pass, that allows us to really move from, okay, this is the situation. What are the resources I can activate? Um, but when we let ourselves get sort of swarmed up in despair and the doom and gloom narrative, that really paralyzes us and keeps us from moving forward. So, so much of this is maintaining a hopeful and positive perspective, reminding ourselves of the longer history of what we've overcome as, as a global community and knowing that, that many communities who have faced, you know, unprecedented challenges have found some way to reestablish normalcy and, and that we expect to see the same happen here. In case you're just joining us, this is Perspectives. I'm Condis Presley, and we're talking to Dr. Gigi Bastian, the Associate Director in the Office of Global Health Equity, an Assistant Professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences, and Assistant Professor in the Department of Community Health and Preventative Medicine at the Morehouse School of Medicine. Dr. Bastian, as our listeners are tuning in this morning, it's Sunday. And normally folks are getting up, getting ready to worship and go to church. And I'm thinking especially about our senior population where that could be their main social activity for the week. How can we stay connected, one, with our seniors, and then talk to us about our faith? That is an excellent question and really one of the things that um, concerns and worries me most in these uh, these scenarios. I, I talked a little bit about similar uh, work that I've done in in West Africa following the Ebola outbreak and and speaking to communities there that were affected by that pandemic, so much of the distress around this had to do with the fact that folks didn't have access in the usual ways to, uh, to their faith communities, which for many of us is a huge base of coping. It's a place where we draw strength and draw hope and encouragement. Um, So that is definitely something for us to be attentive to. The thing that gives me hope in in our scenario with uh, the current COVID-19 outbreak um, is that unlike the the situation in Liberia and Sierra Leone when they were dealing with the Ebola outbreak in in parts of the world where they're less resourced in terms of technology access and those things, we do have uh, access to those kinds of resources here in my own sort of faith community. I've seen an incredible um, amount of innovation and uh, willingness to sort of be creative about around how we stay connected. So we've got everything from a daily sort of prayer line that folks can call into every morning at seven o'clock to live streaming via Facebook of services. Um, online uh, Zoom facilitated Bible studies in the middle of the week. And so I think our faith community is being challenged to, to be innovative and, and to access technology. If they weren't doing it before, certainly it seems like many of them are stepping into that arena now. Um, but it's also important, as I said, social distance, distancing does not have to mean social disconnection, right? So we do want to be intentional about checking in on the elders of our community. If we can't physically be around them, we, we are able to pick up a phone and check and see how folks are doing. Um, we've got uh, groups going within my own faith community of folks rotating responsibility to pick up groceries, for example, and ensure that um, the older members of our community are taken care of in terms of groceries and food. Um, there are plenty of opportunities to look for ways that we can 
uh, be supportive, whether it's through an encouraging word or in more practical ways, like ensuring that folks have the food that they need, um, are able to access the medication and to get to and from pharmacies that they need to, um, and helping them just to pick up the phone and make calls to help folks access services that they need. Um, and so the, these are absolutely scenarios that um, force us to draw from our ability to come to come together as a community. So they're really opportunities, I think, for the faith community to uh, to step up and do what they do best, which is to, to tend to their flock. And, and what I've learned in, in uh, the other parts of the world where I've done pandemic and emergency work is um, that often they they really are the ones who hold communities together in the midst of, of these uh, events. They have a significant amount of um, influence and credibility even around messaging. So one of the things I've been working on is ensuring that um, our faith leaders are helping to share uh, factual and accurate information about what's going on with uh, with their congregations, right? Because oftentimes we as health professionals and public health experts, we may have the right message, but in these situations, we have to consider even more than usual, are we the right messenger? Um, and what I've found it from West Africa to the Caribbean here to, to the States, is it makes a lot of sense to tap into the trusted leaders that are already in place in our communities and arming them with the right information so that the right messenger is conveying those right messages. Um, so that, that would be my recommendation to my colleagues in the health and public health spaces is to um, work with and then see how we can support our health leaders. They too are dealing with a lot of stress. Folks turn to them in these times just as they do with every other thing. Um, and so checking in on our faith leaders and ensuring that they're being reminded of how to manage their own stress and their own sense of being overwhelmed, uh, I think are other ways that we can uh, support our faith communities. And so uh, here again, from the work that I've done in different spaces, I'm I'm hopeful and have seen great things come out of the, the faith community, and I'm seeing similar uh, signs uh, here so far in the state. Dr. Bastian, I think of hope, and I think of hope as meaning having only positive expectations. As we wrap up our conversation, if our listeners don't take away but three thoughts going into this new week, what would you have those to be for them? Yeah, I, I think um, one is to focus on the control that we do have on this situation. I, I think so much of this has to do with that sense of loss of control. Um, so reminding ourselves that we're not entirely powerless in what's happening. We do have control over our own actions. We do have control over the messages that we convey in the midst of this. Uh, the second would be that perspective and mindset matter. Um, so maintaining that hopeful, that optimistic perspective, um, challenging ourselves when we're tempted to go in the doom and gloom space uh, to, to think of the better outcome instead of the worst case scenario uh, here. So being cautiously optimistic, right? It's not a naive uh, optimism and hope that we take the necessary precautions. We do the things that we need to do, but that we're keeping a, a, an optimistic um, a perspective as we go about doing that. And, and then I think so important is to remind ourselves to be present to the now. A lot of what really uh, stresses us out in these types of scenarios is we get too far ahead of ourselves. Um, uh, predicting what's coming down the line or thinking back about all the things we should have, would have, could have done. Maybe I should have gotten more rolls of toilet paper, et cetera. Um, and a lot of our distress comes from that pool, either backward or forward. 
Um, so I think those things that help us to stay grounded in the here and now, which is really where we have our greatest power, uh, are so important. Whether you access that through meditation, uh, through grounding uh, activities, through things like yoga, I think really uh, reminding ourselves that uh, this moment is the moment that I'm in. What is the next best thing that I can do in this moment uh, to help set myself up to, to come through this? Um, and, and finally, just keeping in mind that this too shall pass. These challenges cannot extend forever. And so part of this is staying power and, and how to stay the course um, and really try to take things one day at a time. And eventually we do come through these things. And often communities come through closer and the better and the stronger for having gone through these challenges. So I encourage folks to stay hopeful um, and, and to see how we can, one, help support one another through this challenging time. Dr. Gigi Bastian, I appreciate you so much for your time. Is it okay if we give you a call maybe and check in again in another couple of weeks? Absolutely, absolutely. Happy to help however I can. Perspectives is a community and public affairs program crafted with you in mind. If there's a guest you'd like to hear interviewed or a perspective you think should be explored, let me know. If you're old school, just write me. 1601 West Peachtree Street, Northeast, Atlanta, Georgia, 30309. Or message me via social media. I'm Condos Presley on Facebook, Condo29 on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening. Be sure to listen again next week at this very same time as we examine another perspective.